Hello, everyone. Welcome into Four Checking TV. We'll already talk to playoffs here a little bit. As always, I'm Trevin Catellus. We got Doug Glackey, Nolan, Nolan Scotty Porterfield, and we have our special guest, Gabe, joining us here today. What's going on, guys? How's it going? It's going pretty good, guys. Let's uh, it's playoff hockey time. Let's get into this. You know, we're back into the time of the year where life has more meaning than it once did. So let's roll. Absolutely. Well, uh, our main topic, as you if you saw our Twitter and Facebook page, is to talk about the Penguins and Islanders first round matchup. Uh, but before we get into that and drag it out for our main topic here to really focus in on that one, we'll run through the other matchups here real quick. Just so you guys get a little taste of who's playing who to start the playoffs if you didn't see already. So uh, let's jump in real quick and take a look. Starting off with the West, um, of course, if most of you guys should know by now the one seed will be playing the four. Uh, in all of these games. So the first matchup we're going to look at will be the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues. Um, So thoughts from you guys, I mean, on who you think would win this game, win those games and whatnot. Vegas is going to steamroll them. I mean, honest to God, like outside of like Pittsburgh and potentially Colorado, they're the team who's playing the best hockey going into this. And they're so deep. They have a, I mean, Flurry's on right now. He's been playing really good. And, you know, they, I see no, no way the blues take this even six games. Okay. I agree with you on that one. I mean, the, the way the golden Knights have been playing, not just, Hey, in the playoffs, but the entire season, I mean, they should definitely be the favorites out of their division, and I could potentially see them making it to another Stanley Cup final. That team is so good offensively, defensively, and Dougie, you touched on it with the goaltending. Um, Flower has been amazing for them between the pipes, and uh, even if Flower does, you know, find those playoff jitters like he always, like he usually, like he sometimes does, I guess, they got a guy named Robin Leonard to fall back on too. So, um it's a good time to be a Golden Knights fan, and uh, yeah, I'm don't ha- I'm not holding out much faith on the St. Louis Blues. They're going to need another uh, 2019 miracle in order to take down the Vegas Golden Knights. But that's the beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Anything can happen, though. So we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, right now, I'm going to go with the Golden Knights in five because they're too good. Gabe, anything to add on that series? I think Vegas is one of the top three contenders, at least in my eyes. I think they're playing unreal hockey right now. I don't think we can sleep on the Blues completely, though. I think they're a dangerous four seed. Although, saying that, I do think the Golden Knights will end up winning in five or six. I don't think it's going seven, probably going five, if I had to pick. Now, obviously, we we know that right now that's the way it stands. Of course, neither one of those two teams have clinched that full division, um, per se. So, that one seed could flop. And and we talked about this. I talked about it with Doug off screen as well. And certain times, Um, if that were to swap, the Vegas golden Knights would then play the Minnesota wild uh, as long as they stay where they're at. If Colorado moves into the one, that one spot. So if that were to move and Vegas would somehow play Minnesota, would we be looking at something a little bit different? I'd say potentially, Um, you know, For Minnesota, it all really depends on uh, their goaltending situation and how that plays out. I know that Cam Talbot's been getting a major body of the starts lately, but there was a big stretch of games in the middle of the year there where Capo Kakinen was lights out. And, um, you know, I mean, guys, we cannot sleep on Kirill Kaprizov. I need playoff Kirill more than I need air. So if they could knock off Vegas, that would be that would be fantastic. And you also have the fact that right now, if it stands the way it stands, um, we just spoke on Minnesota, they'll be playing Colorado. Um, so do we think that Colorado still has as much of potential and, and chance to, pl- to beat a team like Minnesota, like St. like Vegas would, or same case, if they would face St. Louis, do they have the same aspects and same talent that Vegas has to face both those teams? I won't go as far as that they have the same talent necessarily. Obviously they do have Nate McKinnon and Rantanen. So they, you know, they do have a couple of players, not definitely not a team to sleep on by any means, but I feel like the goaltending situation still isn't uh, really set in stone right now for Colorado. You know, you do have Grubauer who's sort of selling things in and uh, 
you know, Dubnik has been a, a decent acquisition for them. So I don't know how that situation is all going to play out for them right now. But if you, I did have to choose in a seven game series between the Avalanche and uh, the Wild, I think the Avalanche are going to take the edge. I definitely think it's going the distance between those two teams just because, you know, they do have a more experienced team. Obviously, they, and I think they are, you know, more talented than the Wild are. So, I'd give the edge to the Avalanche, but definitely not a, a going to be a a, one, a quick series. I think that one's going to go the distance potentially. All right, I like to listen to that too. Um, all right, so that kind of closes out our West. Look at that. So let's move ahead to the Central. Uh, this one was up for grabs for a little bit. We talked about who was looking at that um, that four C to see if it was either going to be Nashville or Dallas because Dallas was fighting for it, uh, even though they started out the season horribly. Uh, they did not make it. Nashville secured that final spot. So this one's pretty much set in stone. Um, but basically it is. So um, this is the way, it, the way it's going to be. Let's start out with the first one because the second one I know is going to be really fun to talk about. Carolina and Nashville, the one versus four in this one. Um, if we look at it, we pretty much all know that Carolina has been a powerhouse this season. They're currently still top of the league um, altogether. So, Facing Nashville, does Nashville have that much of a chance? I mean, they are a strong team, but what do you guys think? I mean, you see Soros is – go ahead, Scotty. I was right. just going to say, like, on paper, I feel like, you know, it doesn't look like Nashville has a chance, obviously, because, you know, Roman Yossi's their leading scorer. And, you know, I don't think – not, it's not very often that your defenseman is your leading scorer and, you know, does a substantial job at it. But – uh I mean, just watching them recently. I mean, their most recent win is was five nothing against Carolina, and I don't know if it had anything to do with the uh, the environment that they were playing, if they were on home ice or not. But um, yeah, I definitely don't think that the uh, you can rule them out. I still think Carolina is going to have the uh, the upper hand per se, just because I don't know if you know Nashville's going to be able to pull it together. But we'll just have to wait and see right now. Yeah, what I was going to say was Carolina is just so deep. Like, they have so much talent, lines one through four. Obviously, they have three really good deep pairs. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that might give them fits is the uh, Preds goaltending because um, UC Saros has been really, really good um, getting them in. Basically, he's solely responsible for them making the playoffs on top of UC being healthy. But, like... I don't know. I think their goaltending could uh, stun them a little bit, maybe make this series go deeper than it probably should. What do you think, Gabe? I agree. I mean, I think – I don't think Nashville has a chance, but, I mean, if their goaltending is spectacular, then they might have a chance to bring it to, like, six. But I still think if I pick just based on Carolina's depth, I think it's going five. I think they could get one. I don't think they could get – Two or three. I mean, look at the way. I mean, if Nashville can play the way they played the other night, beating Carolina five nothing, we have a different thing to talk about. But that doesn't happen every time. That's like once in a, it's like a hit or miss type thing for them. So, um, but the other one in that in that central is the one we all want to talk about. Doug and I spoke about it. Um, the rivalry that's finally come to fruition. Uh, both teams from Florida that you know both. We're never really true like rivals. Um, now they're looking like they blatantly hate each other. Uh, and that's Florida and Tampa. That's going to be your first round matchup. Currently, Florida has that two seed with Tampa at the three, but they're, they're battling, they're fighting. Every game we see in that is so brutally aggressive. It's ridiculous. Um, so let's, let's get some thoughts on this one in the uh, Panthers versus the Lightning. I like this one. I really like this matchup. Um, I think the Panthers are going to win in seven games. Um, I think that, you know, they're playing really good hockey right now. Um, and, you know, even though they're without Aaron Eckblad, they've been doing just fine. Um, you know, the thing that I'm most excited about, like the biggest storyline if they do knock off Tampa, is we're going to finally figure out how good Mackenzie Weger actually is. And – you know, he's been one of those guys, like, he's been Ekblad's, like, partner for a while just because of how defensively sound he's been. 
And I really think that he could turn himself into like one of those very like underrated star level defensemen in the league if they uh, are able to have a nice little playoff run here. So. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, you guys know I went to bat for Tampa all last uh, all last fall whenever they were, you know, making their cup run. I don't know if I can do that this year. I mean, this Florida team is absolutely outstanding. Huberto and Barkov have been having outstanding years, obviously. Uh, Carter Verhage has done a very good job himself. And like you touched on it earlier, Dougie, uh, Mackenzie mm-hmm. Weaker has really grown into his own and stepped up big in the absence of Aaron Ekblad. And, of course, you got to mention Patrick Hornquist and how he's pretty much revitalized his career since he got down there to Florida. He's been a huge uh, addition for them. And not to mention they also have Duclair and Wenberg, who've also been playing uh, pretty substantial hockey. As far as the goaltending is concerned, it seems like Drieger's going to be the guy they're going to go with. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's they've, he's done a very good job as well. And even if, you know, that inexperience kind of gets to him, they do have Bobrovsky to fall back onto. What addition of Brodbrowski they're going to have, obviously, is going to be, you know, uh, a little bit shaky. But, uh, you know, that'll have to come down to it. Another guy, too, Spencer Knight. He's also been a uh, – he's also, ever since he got called up, he's been pretty substantial for them, too. So, we'll just have to see where that uh, – where that's where the chips fall there in that situation. But it uh, will be very interesting. I definitely think the Florida is going to have the uh, upper hand over Tampa in this series. That's an interesting one. I I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I kind of have a thing for Florida, but that's biased. But um, I think that Florida will uh, hopefully come out on top of that one because it's been a while since they've made it past the first round in the playoffs and whatnot. So hopefully they can move on and, and get, get things rolling. I just um, want a Spencer Knight game <laughs> so bad. Like, I want him to get in and go off like Demko did in the bubble. <laughs> That would Sorry, be nice. I just randomly had to pop that in there. That, that would be <laughs> nice. All right. Um, the next one we'll talk about, we're going to get to the East one last because obviously that's our main main topic involves the pens here. So uh, let's move ahead to the next one. Doug, we'll touch on your team here first. Um, Toronto, who's been the dominant one the entire time in the North, is taking on Montreal. Um, no one close to Montreal below them to – even have a chance to take that four seed away from them. I don't know why they didn't claim it early, just clinch it earlier. Um, but here we are. Um, the team that knocked out the Penguins last season in in the first in the first round um, is, is playing Toronto. And the way it looks right now, Toronto would basically hand them on a golden platter to them. So uh, let's talk about this one. I think this series is going to be a lot more interesting than people realize um, for a couple of reasons. Um, my big thing, like my biggest fear in the back of my mind is they're going to throw Freddie Anderson in net. And everything's just going to blow up in there. Uh, I don't know why I think that, but I mean, honestly, Montreal, they have a nice team. You know, they're, they're good. They have a lot of good young centers. Um, Wild thing is, uh, Cole Cawthorn is here, and you now he's doing his thing. He's playing with Corey Perry and Eric Stahl. I guess probably the best thing for him. And yeah, that's what I think. I think that um, I still think that Toronto wins this one. They finally get out of the first round, but I I wouldn't be surprised if it goes six or seven games. Building off what you said there about uh, Anderson. Dougie, I think it would be a tremendous in-service to um, to Jack Campbell if they go back to Freddie Anderson. I understand that he was the guy there for the longest time, but it's like we've said in, in uh, earlier episodes, you know, Jack Campbell has to be your guy. For how well he's played since he got put in that situation, you have to stick with him. He's earned it. You know, you don't want to have a situation where, you know, Freddie Anderson comes in cold and now – oh, wait, well, now we're down 2 nothing, or we're down 3-1, and now we have to try and scramble and get Jack Campbell back into the net again. That You need to avoid that at all, at all possibilities. So I think the smart thing for them to do is just go with Jack Campbell because, let's face it, this, this, is, this is the most talented team in the North Division. They have, they have everyone that they need to get it done. They have Marner. They have Matthews. They have Tavares. They have Nylander. So I feel like those – I mean – 
In all honesty, in my opinion, Toronto's real competition doesn't start until they get out of the North Division. So for these first two rounds, I, I expect them to have a you know a relatively easy road. I'll I'll say I'll put I'll put like little quotations around that because obviously, as we said before, anything can happen. But um, at least with this first round against Montreal, this should be an open and shut case for the Maple Leafs. I don't see them, you know, crapping out and losing in any way, shape, or form. So this is definitely going to be a uh, a win for the Maple Leafs in my at opinion. At least Toronto is not matched with Boston for like the eighth year in a row. Yeah, that's the only thing that will hold them back at this point. <laughs> yeah. And that's and who knows? Maybe that's where the chips fall. They end up getting stuck with that with uh, facing Boston again. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, they lose in seven games again because uh, Wayne Simmons decides to kill like <laughs> Sean Corrali for some reason. <laughs> like, just give me something random like that. Also, yeah. something random I want to touch on real quick. Um, Rasmus Sandin. Um, I'm looking at their depth charts on Cap Friendly right now, and I do not understand why he's not playing. Um, I think he should definitely play over Ben Hutton. Um, there was a small case during that small sample size where Sandine was able to come up and uh, play for uh, a couple games where there was a case for them to put him on the top power play unit because of how much better of playmaking ability he has over Morgan Riley at times. But I just don't understand like how you don't throw this guy on a third pairing with uh, Travis Thurman and kind of like let him be your hidden gem on that defense. Like I just want to, I'm just asking here, do you think that they're doing that because they, they want to focus more on defense for that last pairing? That's why they're going with Hutton as opposed to Sandine? Or what do you think about – what do you think with that move? I think it might be a um, cap finagling thing with it – with them still being in the regular season. Um, I think that they're not using him and probably like – just paper moving to the taxi squad because um, they they have Freddie Anderson in as their active uh, goalies. And, you know, because he's at $5 million cap at his annual daily cap, it's going to be a lot, much, a lot more than that of like Erasmus Sandin, who's on like an entry level contract. So I just think that it's like, it might just be like a little cap gymnastics being done by Brandon Pridham and Kyle Dubas, but who knows? Okay, and then the other one up there in the north would be the uh, Evans and Oilers versus the Winnipeg Jets. Um, this could get, this one could get interesting. Um, so let's touch on this one real quick on who we're taking, Evans and Winnipeg. I don't know. So, <laughs> all right. So I can, I'll just start off. Um, this is one of those weird playoff series like where both teams have extremely talented players, but they're both not clear-cut cup contenders. So it's just like one of those ones that's just going to be fun to watch, and whoever wins, wins, unless you're like a diehard Oilers or Jets fan. But um, I don't know. I think I give Edmonton the edge here. Um, Nick David's been on another planet. Um, you know, competition level of the North Division be damned. He's been absolutely insane. Um, and, like, the big thing with Edmonton is they're so much deeper than they were before, um, you know, because, <clears throat> I mean, the biggest thing for them, like, the biggest win that they've had, I think, in years since drafting McDavid was getting Jesse Poyarvi to come over to the States and play for them because he's been fantastic on McDavid's wing this year. And, you know, the – the amount of like good depth wingers they have, like signing Dom Cahoon and having Kaylee Yamamoto come into his own, that's allowed Drysaddle and McDavid to have their own line, which is something that we haven't seen frequent on a consistent basis since they've both started their careers. They've really just been like stacking that top line that really, really that in my opinion that kills their forward depth and their ability to score. Like for instance, let's let's talk about this from like a Pittsburgh perspective. Could you imagine if the top line was Malkin, Crosby, and Gensel? The like the rest of the depth scoring would just be shot, you know. Like it's just it's no way to like ice a roster, in my opinion. So, I mean, I'm giving the edge to Edmonton. They've been really good this year. Tyson Berry is putting up Norris numbers, but you know, 
he got he's going to get overshadowed because of how good Adam Fox has been. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a really interesting series just because I really want to see the lights like you talked on touched about though is that scoring depth going to step up for the Edmonton Oilers? Obviously, we've seen the season that Connor McDavid had. It's a one of the most historically great ones that we've seen in recent time. Same goes for Leon Dreisaitl. 81 points in 54 games is nothing to sleep on. He just sometimes he seems to get lost and maybe gets lost behind the fact that McDavid's putting up points in the triple digits after 54 games. But either way, you know, is that scoring depth, like you said, are they going to step up when they need to? I think Winnipeg is not is a pretty deep team, too. You have to look at their guys, Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, Wheeler, even Andrew Kopp to a certain extent. They have guys who could step up and be big for them. Obviously, I think their goaltending situation is a little bit better than that of uh, of Edmonton's. No knock on, uh, you know, Mike Smith. He's had a great year as well. But, you know, you can't forget about Hellebuck. Hellebuck's done, done his thing this year as well. So, yeah, I think this is definitely one that could potentially go the distance as well. I could see this one going seven games. And I really don't have a clear-cut one that I could give it to, per se. I'll just go with Edmonton right now because McDavid. But, um, yeah, this one's definitely going to be an entertaining series and uh, – Hopefully, it, hopefully, you know, things go well, and we'll see if we can get that, uh, that dream second-round matchup between McDavid and Matthews in round two. That would be interesting. Think about that for a second. Imagine seeing McDavid and Matthews. Because, honestly, like, I think that's, like, the, like the Stanley Cup final that people kind of want to see, <laughs> and we yeah. get it earlier than we ever deserve to get it. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I agree. All right. With that being that's, said. That's the perfect, like, get. Yeah. Okay, real quick. That's, like, the perfect give back for the Sabres not being good and us not being able to get Matthews Eichel in the playoffs. Like, give give me that. Yeah. The consolation prize. Yep. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, let's move ahead to the – Division that we all want to talk about. Division's had some controversy lately. Everything's been going on because of the course of Washington Capitals, the dominant Boston Bruins, the Penguins, who are currently tied in points with Washington, but they have secured that one seed, so they won't move. Welcome to the number one seed, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, let's talk about the other one first, since we're going to we're going to cover the Islanders, since we got Gabe here to cover the Islanders. Let's cover the other one real quick first and get that one out of the way so we can talk Penn's Isles. Um, the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins. We all know the issues with Tom Wilson. We discussed those last episode. Um, we're not going to revisit those except for the fact that how many fines New York got for just speaking up, um, which is which I felt like that cartoon had smoke coming out of his ears when I saw that. But anyway, um, we talked about – Trent Frederick, that Doug had said, being Tom Wilson's sort of kryptonite. Um, so let's look at this one. The Capitals and the Bruins. Who are we taking? What are we looking at? They played each other last night. Let's take a look at this series. This is interesting. The interesting thing for me that I saw last night was even though the Caps won at the last second on that Michael Roffle goal, um, a lot of people were saying that Boston is going to destroy them, which I find rather interesting. But um, I don't know. This game, this uh, series could go the distance, or they a team could get swept or win or lose it in five. Um, I think this is a very unpredictable matchup. Obviously, Boston's been playing a lot better since they got Taylor Hall. I mean, for obvious reasons. It's Taylor Hall. You got him at a discounted rate. Why not? But um, – you know, the big thing that I'm looking forward to is uh, Trent Frederick dying for our sins at the hands of Tom Wilson. I, I honest to God believe that he's just going to run around and just be suspension bait for him because, I mean, let's be honest, that, that one game earlier in the year where Frederick was running around like a WWE wrestler and just had Ovi and Wilson just in a pretzel, that was like a must-see TV for me. And I have a feeling it's going to happen again. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to watch this game just as like a hockey fan in general, not having to worry about like, okay, the Pens could play these teams, like whatever. But um, 
I think this is just going to be a good series just for like the league in general, because it's two powerhouse teams. It's two teams that like to play physical and um, yeah, I think that they, it's just going to be a bloodbath for six or seven games. Gabe, what do you think? I think this might be one of the best series of the first round. I would pick Boston, but probably in seven. I think that Boston with the addition of Taylor Hall and their second line is scoring at a great rate right now that I think they'll end up edging out the Capitals, but it's definitely going to be a great series. Uh, it depends if I know some of the Capitals were injured. It depends on how that affects them or if it does at all, but I probably would pick Boston. I think Boston is extremely deep this year. I'm going to agree with Gabe on this one. I like Boston in this series. I do. I feel like, you know, they seem to have, you know, they seem to be a little bit deeper per se, not to mention, you know, Taylor Hall has improved immensely since he's got to Boston. Go figure. A star player finally starts to play well whenever he's actually on a good team. So, you know, it's great to see that he's sort of revitalized uh, his, uh, his, his season, I guess. I won't say his career, but just his season in general. Um, yeah, that t- I mean, it's going to be a – it's definitely going to be a slugfest, though, like you said, Dougie. You know, this is going to be a very physical series. You know, things could get chippy from time to time, but that's what we're here for, and we like to see that. This is what we're here for, and this is what we're going to embrace. As far as Washington's concerned, you know, obviously they are missing some guys right now. We'll see how much of an impact that has on them once they get back because obviously they're going to need their big guys like Ovechkin, Oshie, and Baxter to step up. But uh, we'll see how effective Tom Wilson can be in this series as well. Another thing that we're not touching on either is, is the uh, goaltending situation in Washington. They have some young yeah. netbounders heading in there, and that's going to be – I think that's going to be their big X factor going into the playoffs this year. For Boston, it's going to be their secondary scoring. You're going to see how, how well that depth does play. But for Washington, it's going to be that goaltending. You have Vitek Vancek and Ilias Samsonov, uh, two goalies to my knowledge who I don't think have played any games in the playoffs. I could be wrong about Samsonov. I don't think he has. But, uh, yeah, those guys are going to have to figure out, hey, which one are we going with and who's going to be the most effective for us? Off the top, I'd say it'd probably end up being Vancek. But, um, yeah, that's going to be their biggest concern is can these young goaltenders step up for us when we need them to? Because I really doubt they want to fall back on Craig Anderson. We all know the career that Craig Anderson's had. Um, he's got the he's got the very um, he's got the reputation of having to, uh, Austin Matthews score four goals on him in his in his debut. Uh, he's not the uh, not the greatest guy to go to when you're looking at a goaltender. Um, yeah, his his career kind of went downhill after Chris Kunitz ended it back then as well. So. Uh, when they moved on. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, Boston. Yeah, but to be fair, Kunitz kind of took the whole Ottawa franchise with them, too. That's very that true. Goal, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I can't agree with that. All right. So, the um, – Yeah, but um, before we move on, TK, you good? You're cutting out. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We're good. We're all back. We're all like we were all frozen, but we're all there. Okay. And our audio is yeah. good. So. Okay. All right. Good deal. I got nervous. We're- oh, dude. All right. So what we'll cut. Have- we'll cut and edit. That's what it's for. All right. Stop, stop we, we were at. We don't have to start over. Nope. Pick back up right now. We should be good. It never stopped. It never stopped recording. Just, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. So you missed it, dude. I panicked. I panicked. Okay. Thank, thank you. Okay. When I pulled this back up, it still said recording. All so right. we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So as both of you guys, as everybody knows, that my despise for Washington and Boston is, is there 100%. So it's hard for me to pick either one of these teams. But if I got to pick one, if I really, really had to die right now on the ground and pick one, I'd say Boston. Um. Because Washington plays in, plays normally in the same division as the Pens, where Boston does not. So let's move ahead to the, with a series that matters, the one we want to talk about. I mean, or of course, all of them matter, but the one we all want to touch on. Um, Gabe is here to join us uh, and talk about the Islanders a little bit, but the Pens are taking them on. Um, so before we even talk about this series now, 
let's take a look back at the last time these two faced off in the playoff series. Look at what happened. And then let's move forward to how this, this year compares to that one. Um, Gabe, since you're the Islanders fan, we'll have you start. Just give us an outlook around everything here. Sure. I think even though the Islanders swept in 2019, I think it's a completely different team. Oh, it's not completely different, but there are definitely key pieces such as Leonard not being in net anymore. And it's Varlamov instead that are completely different. So I don't think the outcome will be even close to similar, but I mean, it was an exciting series back then. And I anticipate it to be a highly exciting series moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Doug, Scotty. Yeah. I mean, like the difference between the Penguins right now and what they were in 2019, is like literally night and day. Um, You know, you got to think of it this way. We replaced the Penguins replaced their three worst defensemen on their roster in Jack Johnson, Eric Branson, Noli Mata from 2019 and replaced them with John Marino, Cody Ceci, and Mike Matheson, who somehow likes to take the puck up into the offensive zone like he's a forward. So, I mean, it's so different. And you got to think of it this way. The worst player in their forward group, like their 12th skater in uh, 2019 was Garrett Wilson. Now, you can make the argument that their 12th skater right now is Frederick Goudreau, and he is really clicking on that line with Jeff Carter and Jared McCann right now. And, you know, he seems to have found, like, random chemistry. You know, we, we all know how it is. The uh, Us Pittsburgh people, we know the legend of the uh, random white guy who just randomly appears, steps up big, and uh, scores a big goal here and there. And, um, you know, since I brought up Jerry McCann, he played one period of that Islander series and didn't play another in uh, the 19 series because he got taken up by Kyle Clutterbuck. So that was another big forward that the Pens didn't have, and that really hurt them. But, like, really the big difference is, you know, no, no Johnson, no Good Branson, no Justin Schultz. I mean, the defense is so unbelievably better. And I think even though I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here, but you could say that the goaltending is better too because Tristan Jari right now is light years better than what Matt Murray was. Um, and I'm not going to say Matt Murray at his peak. I'm saying like Matt Murray at like his norm, you know? So that's what I think. Um Obviously, though, I'm not going to take the Islanders lightly. They have a couple really good pieces outside of, like, their main core, like Barzell and Nelson. You know, you got to look out for Anthony Bavillier. He's really good. Um, Oliver Wallstrom has been really good on their power play this year. He has – He. I was looking at it last night. He has 21 points this year. Ten of them came on the power play. So that's something that the uh, Penguins need to look out for because their penalty kill is atrocious this year so i think the would you agree with what i said there gabe yeah for sure i mean you mentioned a few of the islanders pieces i think they're extremely streaky but if they streak if they're Mm -hmm. on a hot streak then i mean the islanders could take it six like bavillier is very streaky nelson at times if he can score like he can then i think it makes the series a lot more interesting than it could be Scotty, you wanted to add some stuff to that as well? Yeah, I think that, like you just said, Gabe, what's going to be the X factor for the Islanders is that offense. Are they going to step up when they need to? We know how good of a team they are defensively, obviously, under the system that Barry Trotz has had. They're going to be a good defensive team. But the question is, are the offensive weapons going to step up? Is Barzell going to be – is he going to perform as advertised? Is Bailey and Nelson and Everly and Bovillier going to step up like they need to? That's going to be the biggest concern for the Islanders heading into this series. For the Penguins, honestly, I don't want to be the, you know, obviously I don't the hate Geno crowd has been uh, pretty loud as of late, but um, he has to step up in this series because this is, like I said, this is a good defensive team that the Islanders have. And if you give them three centers to take care of instead of two, that can make a night and day difference. You know, Jeff Carter has been one of, if not the best acquisitions via trade that have been made this year. You know, Jeff Carter has stepped up huge for the Penguins. So 
you already obviously dealing with Crosby is going to be uh, a challenge in and of itself. And now Carter and that third line are going to be a problem as well. But the question is, is, is Evgeny Malkin going to be able to rise to the occasion? Is he going to be able to create the, to, you know, create fits for, for the Islanders to where now, okay, now we have to match up that second line and we have to worry about a third line now that can, that can be just as dangerous. That's what it's going to come down to is that center depth going to help rise to the occasion because, you know, obviously Gino hasn't done it in years past, at least in recent years past, my excuse, uh, my apologies. In recent years past, he hasn't really been there necessarily in terms of playoffs. They're going to need him in this series. And if he can do that, the Penguins can make quick work of the Islanders. If not, I don't know. We could It could obviously go the distance then. But like I said, if Malkin steps up, I don't think the Penguins are going to have any problem doing, doing away with the Islanders here. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the big thing with, with the uh, Penguins second line is um, they haven't really been producing much outside of uh, Kapanen scoring goals off the rush and off the turnovers. And that's something that they're going to have to figure out as a unit because of how defensively sound the Islanders are. You're not going to get those odd man rush opportunities. You're not going to get those opportunities where Kapanen can come just bolting down the wing and just rip it like – rip a wrist shot like he has like Phil Kessel jeans, you know, they, they need to find a way to get that second line going because, you know, if Malkin picks his game up, Kapanen will go with them. And then eventually Zucker will start to take off. And, you know, that's the biggest storyline I think going into the playoffs is uh, Jason Zucker, obviously with the amount of talent that the Penguins have throughout their lineup, he kind of seems just like as a complimentary guy. But, like, if you can get him going and get him scoring the way he was in Minnesota, that's one hell of a complimentary guy, you know? I mean, he's kind of, like – he kind of, like, reminds me of, like, just in terms of, like, importance on the roster, it kind of reminds me of, like, where Hornquist was at the end of his tenure with the Penguins, where it's like, okay, he's going to play the second or third line, and he's just kind of going to kind of be there. But, like – if you can get Jason Zucker back to form, man, that is that is huge. And honestly, I don't want to jinx it, but like that could be a conference final run in their sleep if they get goaltending. You know? Yeah. I mean, we touched on. Uh, I know Scotty touched on it too, and, and Gabe. Um, the defense from uh, the Islanders is is very stellar. I want to touch on one one guy in particular, um, which I know most of us probably probably play fantasy hockey, one not too, but uh, someone's available in a lot of someone has been available in a lot of leagues most of the season, but was outstanding. Um, was Scott Mayfield? Uh, the young young guy's been outstanding up there for in, for defense for for the Islanders, and I just want to take that second to compliment him because he's he's been outstanding. But uh, what else do we want to touch on here for the Penns Islanders here? Yeah, he's been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go ahead, Sky. Yeah, him. I was just gonna say him and Pulak both have uh, done well this year. Yeah, you can't forget about uh, Pelich and Dobson. Like I said, you know, we know how deep they are defensively, and that's going to be the biggest challenge the Penguins have to face for them. Is hey, this is a defensive team, and you know they are going to find a way. They can't find ways to stop you, so you have to be aware of it, and you have to be cognizant of the fact that you know. Barry Trotz is going to find those matchups if he needs to. Yeah, I agree. I was going to bring up Noah Dobson and how good he was this year. But, um, you know, I I just think that, like like you said, Scotty, this is a really deep defense. And, you know, I mean, they have three really good lines and a fourth line that is just incredibly physical. So they can be hard to play against at times. And I think that, you know, if the Penguins aren't careful or get complacent, this could get be, become an interesting series. All right. I can agree with that. Anyone else have anything else to add about with uh, this matchup? Gabe, you got anything? I mean, the Islanders defense has been great, but that's always been their identity, at least since Barry Trotz uh, came on board. I think Mayfield's been playing great. I think Dobson's been solid offensively and defensively. But if 
Pelic and Pulak can shut down some of the Penguins' main people on offense, and I think it gives the Islanders a much bigger chance than the, they currently have. Yeah, I agree, because look at the bubble last year with um, Ben Chirot and Shea Weber. I mean, they were able to shut Sid down, and I mean, I think that you can get similar vibes from both Pelic and Pulak. I mean, that was a big part of the reason that the uh, Pens got swept in 19, too was how good those two were together. All right, TK, what do you got? That's that's about all I have, unless we have anything else to add to the uh, as the show today. I mean, we look the, all the matchups look great. I mean, obviously the season's not done yet. Um, still a couple more games. I know we, we looked at it. It's basically, uh, yeah, a couple more random games, a couple more games here where a couple teams are playing it out, but then you have – uh, coming into the next week, you basically have Vancouver versus the world because Vancouver's got to make up all those games from COVID time. So um, if you're a Vancouver fan, you got a lot more hockey to watch yet. But if you're everyone else, you, you're either out of games or you got one or two more. That's about it. Um, so final game of the regular season on the 19th when Vancouver's playing Calgary. So up until then, just kind of wait it out and uh, just – I mean, the good thing is we talked about even um, – and I'm, I heard it the other day. I was looking, reading through some tw- tweets and whatnot. The Penguins, even though Geno is, is back, um, he, was, he, was, he was injured. He just came back not too long ago. Obviously, this time span of where the Penguins are now in a little break up until they play again for the playoffs gives, even, gives those players even more time to be – completely healthier even though they are back and return it just gives them more rest time that they probably could have obviously used even before they came back so a player like Gino can rest up a little bit more Brandon Tanev can rest up even a little bit more even though you know he, he's going to be good here coming in and stuff and whatnot but uh, it gives them more time to, to rest up just before the playoffs to kind of re- refuel for every player on that team I'll say this about this Penns team because I haven't seen this kind of buzz around a Pens team since 2016. There really hasn't been like this much confidence about, about a Penguins team heading into the postseason like there is this year. And, you know, I'm hoping it's not just smoke and mirrors and they actually do make a push for this thing because, you know, I was going back watching some old episodes that we did. And I remember, <laughs> I remember saying how the Penguins weren't just one death piece away from making it to a, making a push for the playoffs. And now we have Jeff Garger on the team. So, you know, <laughs> thanks for proving me you're on, I guess, but uh, no, seriously, this team is really, you know, they're worth getting excited about. And I'm really hoping that they can, that they make a run for this thing. Cause why not? Nobody thought this team was going to even sniff the postseason. They were looking, they, everyone was predicting this team was going to be at the most where the Islanders are at, honestly. That's where everyone thought this team was going to end up. And now here they are, first division title in seven or eight years, however, however long it's been since Dan Bilesma. And that just gives you your timetable right there. Um, yeah. This is going to be, a, I really hope that the Penguins are able to pull something off here in this postseason because, you know, they have a lot of people to prove wrong. And I would love to see it. 100%. Right now, it's kind of the if all else fails, turn to Jeff Carter mode for for the Penguins. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I'm totally okay with that. If if Jeff Carter is the reason that they make a deep playoff run, that's just nuts. But like, you know, the big thing is is they finally have a third line center. They haven't had a third line center since Nick Benino. You guys all know my thoughts on Derek Broussard. I will not express them at this time <laughs> because we finally got through an entire episode without me cursing or screaming. So uh, we're not going to talk about Derek Broussard. But, uh, yeah, guys, honestly, I've not been this excited about a team in a long time. Um, I have not. The truth is this is the best I've felt about a team in Sid's entire career. Like, this is, like, the – most like the best I've felt in terms of okay they can go and do the damn thing you know like I have unwavering confidence in them right now 
I looked at the line rushes yesterday, saw whatever Matheson and Tanev came back, saw what the team looked like on paper, fully healthy, and oh my goodness, guys. I mean, like I said earlier, whenever your worst player on your roster is Freddie Gaudreau, you're doing pretty damn okay. Like, you're doing pretty okay. And also, I just want to add this in. I know that it's not Penguins or playoffs related, but the Rangers have just fired David Quinn. And it looks like Chris Drury fired the rest of their coaching staff too. So besides uh, that's Benny fun. Allaire. Yeah. Besides who? Besides Benny Allaire, their goalie coach. All the other assistants. Which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense because the goalies have been fine. Like exactly. It's not the goalies' faults that you know, but yeah, that's gonna be a fun, it's gonna be a fun little summer for the Rangers. Um they should be a lot closer than they are, but um, getting that lottery pick, that might just be what they need to uh, push them from being okay to being a legitimate contender. Because I know what it was like for the Penguins. In, um, now, obviously, this guy didn't get put to use in 2007 whenever they had like that higher draft pick and drafted Angelo Esposito, but they were able to turn it into Marion Host of the, a year later. And that took them from up-and-comer to a legitimate cup contender. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, good for uh, good for the Rangers and most definitely good for Mika Zibanejad because he's going to run wild now that David Quinn isn't there to hinder him. Exactly. All right, real quick before we, uh, before we sign off here, I think we have to talk about it because yesterday, obviously, or either yesterday or two days ago, Twitter had the huge firestorm over Jack Eichel's comments about the Sabres. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So let's just, yeah, we have to, I just thought about it now since you brought up the Rangers. Is there any chance Jack Eichel is still wearing a Buffalo jersey next year? No way. No. No way. No shot. I mean, that, that bridge has just burnt itself on get, get him out of Buffalo. The problem is, is what Buffalo, if it's going to be a trade, what Buffalo will actually want to give him up. And that's the issue. Yeah, you know, and the big thing is, is like, we've seen this in the past, like, obviously, historically with the Joe Thornton trade to San Jose and Ryan O'Reilly going to St. Louis. You can't trade these type of players without really getting an under an underwhelming package. Um, <coughs> but, um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. Where do you guys think he's going to? I don't see how he's not a blue shirt by the end of the summer. I really don't. I feel like, you know, all the pieces are in place for them to do this. If they can really pull it off and make it happen, I don't know what they would have to give up necessarily in order for this to, for this to work. But um, it seems like a lot of signs are pointing towards uh, him going to the, to the Rangers. And um, I'm really thinking that that can be a potential landing spot for him. Um, like I said, like I said, I don't know what the price would be necessarily, but uh, everyone seems to think that the Rangers are the uh, number one uh, landing spot for Jack Eichel at the moment. Yeah. And you could also see that, I um, mean, these are just potential teams. You're going to look at whatever team uh, is not that great right now and is going to look to spend some money to put somebody else in there. Uh, and teams like that, like you said, would be the Rangers, uh, even though they did do decent, uh, the Detroit Red Wings could tr- could try to cash in on that. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets could try to make a move because Line is not working out. Maybe okay, move him with some other p- pieces and try to go for Eichel. Uh, that's also another option. Um, but teams like that, so keep it on that track. Yeah, I agree. All right, I'm alive. Um, Los good. Angeles is okay. another good option. You know, I like New York and Los Angeles because they could pull this trade off without giving up a key piece. Um, I think the Rangers could even pull it off without giving up Capo Caco. Um, that's how good the Rangers prospect pool is, you know. And especially with the Rangers, any trade for a center is going to involve Brian Strom. And he's been fantastic these past few years, and he's built himself up quite a bit of value and street cred within the league. So that would be somebody good to pair with like 
Middlestat and Dylan Cozens to be like the new core of the Sabres, in my opinion. You know, but honestly, guys, I think that the Rangers is a no-doubter. They just got to find a way to make it work long-term with the cap because could you imagine just him and Laugh playing together? That would be just insane. Like, top line, Laugh, Eichel, and Buchnevich. And then you have Panarin and Zibanejad playing together with, like, Kreider or Kravtsov. Be fantastic. Yep. 100 percent definitely be uh i think that would definitely i think like i said like the rangers it seems like they're just missing that one piece to sort of you know push them over the edge like what they didn't have this year obviously the rough start didn't help but you know i think they were just missing that one guy that can really make them into the team that they should be and jack eichel would be that guy 100 percent. i think he'd be that guy on any team obviously but especially in new york so yeah like you said i think there's it seems like that's the obvious landing point for him We'll see if any other teams can uh, spice it up and make things interesting. I saw some people saying that Minnesota wouldn't also be a bad uh, a bad landing spot for Eichel as well. So we'll, we'll just have to let the chips fall where they may. But, uh, yeah, it seems like Eichel's going to be uh, moving out of Buffalo. So thank goodness for him, man. It doesn't leave yeah. Buffalo much. Eichel and Erickson Eck would be a – real quick, Eichel and Erickson Eck would be one hell of a one-two punch for Minnesota. That would be the best center depth they've had probably – ever so. so to add on us just another thing i thought about now uh is anything is there any chance john tortorelli gets hired by a team next season no is anyone is like is no any chance going to take that chance he's going to into exile like babs i was thinking he'd go and i was thinking he'd go the the Iron Mike route and, and go over to Russia and try and coach or something, or he'll find some. That would be, that would be great. I'd pay to see that. Honestly. All right. Anything else we have for the show guys? Are we, are we good to wrap up? We're good. All right. All right. Well, with that being said, um, thank you guys for joining us in for our, for another episode here on four checking TV. Um, Couple games you left to watch if you're a hockey fan. Keep up watching. Keep up. Keep up watching them. Uh, we're almost ready for the playoffs to begin here in another week. Uh, we'll have another show next week, right? Right when the playoffs are getting started here. Um, so stay tuned for that on YouTube and everywhere you want to get your podcast. We have that the audio available for you as well. But for now, uh, as always, I'm Trevin TK. We got Doug, Scotty, and Gabe. Thank you for joining us as an Islanders fan today to talk about some stuff. We're glad to have you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll have a good one, and we will see you next time right here on 4Checking TV.